Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. And, and ETFs have, have quickly become, because of their more affordability from an investing standpoint and their liquidity from a trading standpoint. Not all the, you, know, you talked about options earlier, and not all the ETFs have really great options chains. Right. So you've got one of your relatively newer ETFs in the XLC, which was communications. I know that one. Communications, yeah. and then that's really Facebook, Google, and Google, because all of these, almost all ETFs, as well as the index futures. This is the How to Trade Stocks Options podcast, brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Ewell. Why trade alone when you can access over 100 years of trading experience right at your fingertips? Simple strategies, proven tools, real-time alerts, and an interactive trading community await. Keep it simpler with Simpler Trading by visiting their website at simplertrading.com and check it out with a $7 trial today. That's simplertrading.com. Hey, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you'll be notified every time we give you more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter every single week. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to another episode of the How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Today we have a special guest online, Roggy Horner from Simpler Trading. Roggy is uh, somebody that I love to have on the podcast. She has such a calming, smooth energy to her, and I, I'm really excited to have her back on today. Roggy, thank you so much for being available. Thank you. I'm, I'm having a pretty big cup of coffee this morning, so hopefully the smooth and calm energy <laughs> is not being caffeine affected, but thanks for having me. No, yeah, it's, 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 it's fantastic good. to talk to you. Yeah. So, so Raggy and I, we were just talking uh, before we started recording here about what are we going to talk about today? And she mentioned she's been trading a lot of ETFs. And then I was like, you know what? That's a, that's an interesting topic, right? A lot of people, especially like maybe newer traders really aren't on board with the ETF train. They're like, I only trade Tesla. I only trade beyond me. I only trade Apple, whatever. So, so give us some of that insight there, Raggy. You've been trading for a year or two now, and I know yeah. you've got uh, <laughs> a little experience <laughs> under your belt. So, so tell us, you know, what's what's going on out there, and, and what's what's piqued your interest on ETFs lately? You know, it's it's funny you mentioned, you know, how long I've been trading. ETFs are are really young when you think about it. ETFs really didn't exist in the way that they do now, where passive investing has been such a massive part of the market. And the interesting thing about where we are with ETFs right now is that passive investing is so much of the volume. It's affecting so much of what we look at in terms of individual stocks. So while we might be looking at, as you mentioned, the Teslas, the Beyond Meats, the Apples of the world, uh, you know, except for Beyond Meat, you've got you've got intense uh, index futures or ETF exposure with Apple and Teslas in the Nasdaq alone. And so the coolest thing about ETFs to me is it, it allows me to take some of my favorite markets, which are the futures markets and, and the futures indices. But now a lot of traders that say, Rog, I don't trade futures. Uh, and I think, well, why not? doesn't matter. Now we can have options on the ETF alternative and even better get more granular with the individual sectors that are heavily weighted within mm -hmm. the ETF. So it just keeps opening the playground to more and more and more toys, if you will. So it's it's pretty exciting. Yeah, for sure. And you know, what I'm trading, 
Uh, I have a watch list, and and I prefer to trade the um, the indexes or the mm-hmm. ETFs and things mm-hmm. like that first, mm-hmm. and then once I've exhausted those, then I'll start looking at uh, the individual names. And to me, that makes a lot of sense because I'm a uh, I'm basically an options seller if you boil it boil it down, mm. and um, I don't want all the volatility that could work against my position where mm-hmm. I could just you know ride a trend upward, right? So mm-hmm. like. Like Tesla, whenever it exploded so much higher, that was great. And a lot of people made a lot of money, but a lot of people lost money because they didn't understand how to trade around something like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you just followed the trend of the QQQ, for example, Mm -hmm. during that same time, it went up and it was just smooth and easy. And then Mm -hmm. it reversed. Then you get out. And it was like, wow, this is this is so much easier (laughs) than it has to be if you trade. Um. And if you're buying individual names, and so I, I'm all aboard on the uh, the the ETF train. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you said earlier that ETFs are, are relatively young. What do you mean by that? Like, how how young are we talking here? Well, when you think about not only their inception, you know, when they were created, and when they started to get popular, uh, if you look at them from a standpoint of when the passive investing, which is kind of the universe that ETFs live in, versus actively manage. So think about the contrast between, you know, if you would have talked to somebody in the in the late 80s when I was doing a lot of active trading, they talked about individual stocks and they talked about mutual funds. And then the futures traders talked about the the pit traded say big S&P contract, which was a little bit more fringe. You know, so then you go into the early 90s, it's still the same conversation. Now think about just sort of anecdotally, think about when you speak to your friends and and people who are interested in the markets about uh, mutual funds versus ETFs. Nobody talks about mutual funds anymore. You know, mm. nobody does. And and ETFs have have quickly become because of their more their affordability from an investing standpoint and their liquidity from a trading standpoint. Not all the you, know, you talked about options earlier, and not all the ETFs have really great options chains. Right. So you've got one of your relatively newer ETFs in the XLC, which was communications. I know that one. Communications, yeah. and then that's really Facebook, Google, and Google, because all of these, almost all ETFs, as well as the index futures and the indices on the you know, ETFs, they all have high concentration weighting. So you take a look at XLC; it's just Facebook, Google, and Google, really, when you think about what the heavily weighted stocks are, but. My point is some of the Excel, like some of the uh, stocks within the XLC, very liquid. I love trading, say, options on Facebook. But mm-hmm. XLC itself is crickets and tumbleweeds, unfortunately, mm-hmm. on the options chain, even with the close-up expiration date. So you've got to be a little careful. But normally what I'm doing with those ETFs, kind of like to your point, is I'm either looking at long calls, long puts, I'm looking at uh, some sort of debit spread, or I might be looking at if it's in an uptrend, uh, put credit spread. Mm-hmm. And I keep it really, really just elemental basic. You know, I I love basic because I'll tell you, the, the the longer I traded before I really settled on what worked for me, mm. I just continued to get simpler and simpler and, sim- and simpler trading, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I tr- really try and keep it simple. And my whole mantra really is, you know, uh, trading stocks in 10 minutes a day. And it can totally be done when you mm-hmm. have a process in place, when you know what you're looking for yep. and you know how to get in and out and you've got alerts and you don't have to sit in front of charts. And no. you and I have talked before about how sitting in front of a chart can be de- detrimental because now you're second guessing. Now you're finding things that really aren't there and yep. and you're yep. breaking your trading plan that you had decided on ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, when you were talking about mutual funds, right, that mm. I have not heard that word in a hot minute. And like, I don't even think about mutual funds anymore. But now now my brain is starting to wheel around thinking like, what is a mutual fund different from like a uh, not an index fund like the SPY, but something like XLC or XLU or XLY or any of those like basket ETFs? Like how, what is the differentiation there? So, you know, I mean, we could talk about the difference in fees. I'm sure m many mutual fund traders remember 16B fees. I mean, you're getting tagged for the advertising of the mutual. I mean, it's ridiculous. Mutual funds were loaded with fees, just loaded. And, and, and no, you know, it, at the time, they were a great way to engage in the market and sort of be able to do what we can do now with, with fractional shares. You know, I can't, a lot of traders will say, I, or investors, We'll say I can't go buy a thousand shares of Google, or I can't go ex get exposed to Booking and and Amazon because of the cost of the stock, but I can buy a mutual fund and participate in this group of stocks that I may not. Okay. So it really was, in many ways, the first fractional ownership. And you come along with these ETFs, which don't have all those fees, which are not actively managed, and you have, I believe, a whole lot better transparency. You have easier execution. Try getting in and out of a mutual fund when and how you want not going to happen. They're mm -hmm. going to execute you at the execute your order at the end of the day, 4 p.m., and you'll get whatever you get. I've got a lot of granular control. I can control my order flow as a trader, but also as an investor on those ETFs. And I know exactly what I have, and it's going to be steady. The rebalancings are not happening at the whim of some manager. And, I, and while it sounds like I'm dogging ETFs, look, uh, my mom built her initial investing um, Success was rooted in, in individual stocks and, and mutual funds. So clearly, I'm, I'm grateful for anything that gives us access to the market, but we've got better access now, you know? Uh, and that's where I love the ETFs, the, the, the cost when you think about not only transaction, but you think about the cost of holding an ETF. There's just no comparison. Mm, yeah, you got a great, uh, several great points there. Uh, you know, when I think mutual funds, I think like company sponsored 401k plans. Mm. I don't think it like is. I wouldn't even go and get into one of those. Like, mm. I can't see a reason why I would stop trading uh, like an SPY mm. and go trade the mutual fund XYZ ABC. Because I know that okay. they have like weird extra five yeah. Yeah, characters, right. Um, so yeah, I, I just can't see that happening. And, and it goes a lot back to the control of it, right? If if it's not something where, like, I'm blindly every two weeks putting something into my 401k, right? I've just picked a fund and that's what it's going to be every two weeks. Boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. But if I have control over those funds and I want to have control over those funds, because mm -hmm. a lot of people don't, right? right. There's, I, I mean, like my wife, I, like anytime I talk finance with her, she glazes over like a donut, right? <laughs> that's the way I describe it. It's she like wants sports nothing to do with and it. politics, right? Either people are really into it and they're very passionate about it or they just don't even want to hear about it. You know, on that topic, so my brother-in-law wants to learn to trade stocks, and he's a sports guy. Mm -hmm. And I trade stocks, but I do not care about sports. And yeah. I, I had the, I had the 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 mental shift of that one day. I'm like, his sports are like my stocks. Mm -hmm. Like he cares about sports in the way that I care about stocks. And I'm like, we're the same, but we just have different teams that we play on, right? I sure. play on the SPY and QQQ team, and he plays for the Arkansas Razorbacks or <laughs> you know whatever that happens to be. You know the sports. Sorry, and, I lost my headphones. Sports there. and the uh, okay, we're trading analogies are are really interesting because 
certain sports really are much more akin to trading. And I, and I use a lot of sports analogies. There's a, there's a bookshelf over to my, to my right here. And there's probably more sports related books on that shelf than trading related books. In fact, one of my favorite, I actually have it on my desk here. One of my favorite relating related trading sports books is the mental keys to hitting because we are, and I don't even know who H.A. Dorfman is, but I, you know, it's just a brilliant book. When you think about the fact that baseball is probably whether you're a fan or not, you get the concept pitcher batter, just a dual mono a mono. And it really is a matter of the market being the pitcher. I get a pretty good idea of what the pitcher might throw. I know his skill set, perhaps tendencies. We can, we don't, we have a decent probability, but as a batter, the only thing I can do is wait for my pitch. Mm-hmm. I can't swing at everything that pitcher's throwing at me. The pitcher certainly isn't throwing underhand at me. It's going to be difficult. And they're trying to strike me out. It's not personal. It's the game. So if I think like a batter and I only swing at the things that I know I can swing at and I'm patient enough to do it and I've developed the skill to recognize that pitch in the less than what is it, one second or whatever that speed is now from the mound to the plate, even though that's a very generic sports analogy, for me, uh, the sports analogies are are are. Even more so when you get to, say, coaching, coaching football. What does an offensive coordinator do? What does a defensive coordinator do? I think there's a lot. So I, I can geek out on, on that stuff. But to your point, um, I think sports fans definitely have an interesting edge when it comes to the markets because it is a game. And there is a winner. And there is a loser. And there are rules. And there are points. You know? but you I totally score with your portfolio. Play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Raggy, that... That was really interesting. The way you were describing that, right? You've you've got all this set up, and you're you're waiting ahead of time, and then you can immediately make that decision to play ball. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly like trading a stock. And that's that's such a, a great analogy there. And I I, I really uh, appreciate you you sharing that. And I know before you've talked about that bat that you keep on your desk. Yeah, uh, I, I I remind myself just to wait for my pitch. You know, thirty. I turned 49 this year. I've been trading since I was 15 and a half. And that's always been something that I was taught very early on from my mentors, which is wait for your pitch. And and don't think, you know, a lot of traders think, oh, I'm never going to get that opportunity again. And I go right back to that baseball analogy. Isn't the pitcher going to throw us another pitch at some point? It may not be the same pitcher, may not be the same skill set, but I'm still going to be at the plate and there's going to be something sailing across it. So, you know, as long as I remember... Just wait for my pitch. Yeah, that's where that bat sits there on my desk. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was just telling somebody the other day that like, hey, you know what? If you miss this, it's totally fine. Like mm-hmm. if you miss this setup, there's going to be plenty of other setups that come along, right? It's not the once in a lifetime setup. And even even if you look at something like like Netflix or Amazon where you look, you know, you zoom way out on a chart, mm-hmm. like a 10-year chart, and mm-hmm. you can see it's just like exploded higher. Mm-hmm. There's been a million opportunities to enter that the entire yes. way. Don't think oh, yeah. you had to get in when it was $4 a share. No, you could have gotten in at like $5 a share and you still <laughs> would have done pretty well. <laughs> yeah, the same, the same thing goes for you. You mentioned Beyond Meat or, or, or Tesla. Exactly. You know, if we're, if we're, but this goes back to, you know, I think what's so, so beneficial with, with what you do here, which is, our job then, if we use the batting analogy, not to beat it into the ground, but if we use the batting analogy as a trader, as a batter, and the market as the pitcher, our job then as a batter is just to get better at recognizing our pitch and be able to recognize more pitches. Mm-hmm. So if I know I can hit a slider, I know I can hit a curve, I know I can hit whatever this pitcher is going to throw at way, the quicker I recognize it and the more comfortable I am swinging at it. So then my job is just to get 
better at that job. And as you said, just I won't fret thinking that I've missed something. I think that's the biggest, that's what gets traders to chase, right? Biggest mental trap probably in trading, just chasing, chasing. Mm -hmm. Scary part is the kind of trend that we saw earlier this year, traders were rewarded for perhaps, you know, you can be lazy in a bull market. Traders can be mm -hmm. lazy. Investors can be lazy in a bull market. And, and so my first mentor taught me something and it stung. I was in my early 20s and I had a great run over the course of, I don't remember at this point, six or nine months. And he looked at me and in the most condescending but caring way maybe ever, he said, kiddo, don't confuse a bull market with brains. I kid and, you not. I had an episode. It was it, it aired last week, and the mm -hmm. thumbnail says, "Don't confuse the bull market with brilliance," or something along that that mm -hmm. line. You're mm -hmm. the second guest in two weeks that said that. It's so true, and it's probably so obvious to those of us who've been playing pre, say, 2008. Because anyone who's been trading, and, and it's not their fault. We all get to the market when we get to the market. But if you've been trading since 2008, you really only know largely, to your point of stepping back and looking at a larger trend, you really only know an uptrend. You meaning someone who's been at the market for maybe 10 or 12 years. You talk to someone who's been trading in the late 80s, um, 90s, went through, say, the Russia collapse, uh, Asian contagion, uh, long-term capital management's collapse. All of those happened before 2008. And the markets were a different place. But there are these segments of time when the markets are rallying the way they are. A lot of it has to do with central bank policy, which is really, well, that's a whole other episode. But I guess the, the point is, if the markets are rallying, you just remember that we can control where we get in, to your point earlier about waiting for your waiting for those entries. It was, as you said, a million. And that's probably not even hyperbole. But um, there's plenty of opportunities to get in as long as you have a, a, a confirmation and confidence in the trend that we're in. You don't confuse yourself with the noise of being a two-sided trader. You just know the markets are going that way. You want to go north on the highway. You don't get off at every exit. And that's what hurts a lot of traders, the mm -hmm. overactivity. Um, I, I can't remember which broker came out and said some of their most profitable accounts were the ones where people, eat, I, and not to be morbid, died. They just didn't, they didn't overmanage and, and overmassage their accounts. They bought what they bought and they sat in it. And they're looking back and saying either people stopped logging into their account or they passed away. And those were some of the best growth accounts they saw. That tells us a lot as traders. You know, for me, less is more. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of the story that Danielle told me. Uh, Danielle Shea being another trader at Simpler mm -hmm. Trading. Mm -hmm. Um I know you know who she is, but I'm talking to the audience it's right okay. now. <laughs> the audience may not. So now you guys know. We're all in the yes. So Danielle uh, was telling the story one day about how uh, when she was a kid, her her family, I don't remember which family member, but her family members bought Apple and uh, just like put it away and gave it to her like 20 years later, 18 years later, and it had grown exponentially more. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole Warren Buffett idea, right? You can get in at X and because... Stocks always go up, apparently. <laughs> then uh, you get out at Y, and Y seems to be multiples of X. And, you know, I, uh, I'm i not that patient, Raggy. I, uh, <laughs> you know, you've got I don't want to take injuries when know, I can get so them. Funny. you got to compartmentalize, right? So my mom has double-digit cost basis in Amazon, double-digit. Um, my father had given me IBM stock before he had passed away. I've got single-digit cost basis in, in IBM. So... There is an advantage to having started, you know, if weren't no knock to Warren Buffett, but to think about it, to be fair, 
to those of us that are trying to achieve greatness in trading or investing, a lot of the folks who are heralded now, ask Warren Buffett to start now. Mm-hmm. It's a very different story. Not when he did. No knock to him. He's, he's great at what he does. Even some of these big hedge fund managers, they'll tell you, trading was easier in the 80s. Trade, trading was easier in the 90s. Um, macro cycles work. Debt cycles work. The central banks weren't trying to actively undo these, these different kinds of macroeconomic cycles. So traders who are doing well now, hats off, because I know if I was starting now, it wouldn't have been as easy if, as, as if I was starting in the 80s and 90s. And people who have been trading a long time like I have, we have sort of a moral obligation to quit you know, patting ourselves on the back and saying how great we are and just acknowledge that the traders who are starting in this environment, it isn't that easy. Yeah, we're in a crazy bull market, but it isn't easy. And, and more than ever, you know, what you're doing in podcasting and the education is so much more important. You know, to that point, where it not only is more difficult just in general for trading but then you've got so much information out there like mm-hmm. we're having right now. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it can be detrimental. Um, the sure. person I was just talking to before this, I was explaining a, a story that I had in my past mm-hmm. where um, the people I learned from legitimately said and created their own research that said trends don't exist. You can't make money if you follow a trend. And I see your your face right there. <laughs> and, that, and, and that was the day I turned them off because mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? They... They do research, right? But then I think that they cherry pick the research to fit their own uh, viewpoints. And if their viewpoints happen to be a certain way, mm. then by God, it doesn't matter what the research says. We're going to skew that data to make it work for us. And that really bothered me. And and I I, I think about how big of a platform that these people have, and how mm. when I was learning to trade, I lost five figures within a mm. few years, mm. just like doing the wrong thing. Mm. And not everybody's style fits every personality, which is what sure. we all have to adjust to. Of course, yeah. And then, uh, you know, hearing that kind of stuff, there, there's, there's really good information out there, like what you and I are creating. And then there's also information that seems really good, mm-hmm. but can be detrimental. And so you've got That's to balance the internet, that too. right? Yeah. Just giving everybody and, a voice. And because all these people are going out there trying to learn to trade, and this is mm-hmm. the new the new uh, new place to be, mm-hmm. which is exciting to be part of this this community. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like there's good and there's bad. And sometimes yeah. the bad people have uh, not bad people, but but sometimes the bad information has a bigger platform and and can suck people in and can work against them. Unfortunately, it's, like it's I mean, everything you're talking about just sounds like clickbait. There's no such thing as trends. You know, I guess it depends on how they're defining them. I think. Yeah. What's really interesting about the internet is you've got so many people that are that are very thinky and, and they're thinking about different ways of defining things to separate themselves. And I, I guess if that's the way they want to go, uh, my my love of finding trading strategies is to go really old school. I cite, you know, I've never met him clearly, but I cite people like Charles Dow mm-hmm. as mentors. I love the fact that Charles Dow is still being talked about 140 years later and he's not on financial media television and he doesn't have a newsletter and he doesn't have a podcast. We're just talking about it. Dude, he should have. Let me tell you, he would have killed it. <laughs> he would have killed it. Yeah, exactly. And, and it even Dow theory itself was posthumous. So I love the fact, I love going back in time and finding those things that people have seemingly forgotten. I feel more like, you know, Indiana Jones than, than trying to be uh, some quant I like to go yeah. back and find things that are that are really psychologically rooted. I mean, I think you could say Dow sort of started in a small way, this whole behavioral finance 
psycho psychology and finance, you know, marriage, because he was talking about psychology and the four market trends, you know, over a hundred years ago. So I like going back in time, but in fairness, if, if folks need to put the flag there on their own and not stand on the shoulder of giants, which we all are, right. We're all really, I'm not, I'm standing on the shoulders of people who came before me, you know, if, if they can put the ego on the shelf and just go, no, this guy thought of it better and I'm just going to maybe tweak it. And, and, and I think they'll find a whole lot less ego driven need to have clickbait. Like, what was it? There's no such thing as a trend. Yeah. <laughs> <Rate of change laughs> exists everywhere in nature, uh, certainly in human behavior. So it's just impossible. I'm telling but. you, that was the day where I turned them off. And I'm like, I'm not coming <laughs> back. Sorry, you lost me on that one. Uh, but, you know, going back to the, the old school things, like <laughs> I love uh, the book, How I Made $2 Million in the Stock Market sure. by um, Darvis. Darvis, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the reminiscences of a stock operator. Mm -hmm. That's a great one on mm -hmm. YouTube. There's a, uh, a the full audiobook is on YouTube, mm -hmm. and I would just go on walks listening to that, and I'm like, wow, this is so interesting. Yeah. And then you know what's great, Rocky? Those principles mm -hmm. still carry through to today's market. Yeah. And those are boiler rooms, no internet, no yeah. streaming intraday data. Nicholas Darvis was an end of day part time trader. Yeah, yeah they're on, inspirational. On their newspaper gems. in while well, he was traveling around uh, being a stage performer. You mm -hmm. know how how interesting he does. He was not stuck to any charts. <laughs> <laughs> no. I've written a short guide on how you can use the triple stock profit system. It's the secret weapon every investor needs right now to change your financial future. And you can get it for free by visiting triplestockprofits.com or in the links below. Also, if you want to join a community of traders just like you, you can get free access to the elite membership that has even more resources to help you trade faster and trade smarter. So, Rocky, this has been a great conversation. That's why I love having people on the show. It's just for there, there's some camaraderie here. And I know trading can be pretty lonely, right? Sure. And uh, being able to, to chat with people and then provide that to the audience where they can be a, a fly on the wall and we can have these kind of conversations. Yeah. I love being able to do that. So really, Rocky, thank you for your time today. This has been a, a great conversation. Thanks for all. Thanks for, I mean, I, I enjoy every time I get to chat with you, Chris. It's just cool that we get to do it on camera and, you know, everyone can kind of sit in on the, on the stuff that's going through our minds. And, you know, I think that the biggest thing is, you know, find, find your own way in the market. I love when you share with me, you know, before camera, you know, you're always testing things and you're always trying things. And I love that. And then you bring that you know, to your listeners. And I, I think that's very noble work. So thanks for everything you do. Well, I appreciate that, Raggy. That, that means a lot to me. This is uh, quite the passion of mine that, that I'm able to do it. Um, you know, some people start things like this and then they, they never, you know, they'll do six or seven episodes. And now I'm <laughs> I'm pushing 400 at this point. Is that so. where you, I was going to ask you, which <laughs> yep. number is this? Okay. Yeah, right around 400. I can't tell you exactly by the time it gets aired, but it'll be oh, right excellent. around 400. So excellent. Yeah, I've, I've done a couple episodes, you know, Got no you. big deal. Yeah. So, Raggy, really, again, thank you for your time. And, and thank you guys for tuning into today's How to Trade Stocks Options Off uh, podcast. I really appreciate you. And make sure you like, subscribe, and enable notifications. That way you never miss any of the tools, tips, and tricks that we upload every single week to help you trade fast and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors 
and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. Tim and StockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. Tim and StockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit timminutesdoctrader.com slash legal. And thanks for stopping by.